The Sound of Revival. Victory 91.5. Of course, you recognize that's Casting Crowns and Start Right Here. Good morning, Brian Race, Ray Haynes, more of Ray's teaching on Passover in just a moment. But, Ray, I got an email from you, uh, I guess, late yesterday afternoon. You were talking about the uh, exciting uh, Costa Rican giveaway that's sure. coming up, and yeah. you were teasing uh, Passover. And at the very bottom, you said, tune in at 8 a.m., for I, th- I think you said a special announcement. Sure. For anybody that's listening now and just th- they didn't catch the 8 a.m. announcement, what uh, what can you share? Well, I'll tell you all about it, but I would also encourage you, once it's on the podcast, I'll put that on there as the 8 o'clock called the wedding, uh, Corey's wedding announcement. So okay. There's your you... hint right there. <laughs> so uh, the story you had asked earlier, uh, you know, could I come to Passover? Can I connect? And uh, so, you know, a couple of years ago, we did a big Passover at War Hill East, like 100 people, and it's just a great Seder meal. And mm-hmm. we do, you know, large, small. I've done Passover for 40 years, so been a part of a lot of Passovers, and I love the Seder. But for us as a family, almost always, typically, uh, traditionally, ours is just as a family, just the three of us, we do Passover. And so I started the story by saying, you know, this year, our Passover Seder will have four people at it, and we only do family. And so that's enough to say somebody has been added to our family. And where we had uh, actually brought Nathan in this morning because we have been talking just like crazy about him and Michelle and their wedding, their, the uh, getting engaged and the whole process. He's just been upfront and just been so fun and so has she. But Corey, on the other hand, has been also dating and talking a lot about marriage, but we just haven't been talking about it on the radio. And, of course, <laughs> nor were we thinking that she would beat uh, Nathan to the, to the punch on this because he's just been real steady on his. But uh, last week, she decided to elope, just like, wow. bam, you know? And so she obviously already knew that we approved of him and really, really liked him and all. But uh, it, was, it was a bit of a shock in the timing because, you know, we talk about all the time with her because she talked about eloping and, and marriage and weddings and money and how the whole thing would break down. And we always just said, you know, you got lots of time, which she assumed was like minutes. But we were thinking, <laughs> you know, months, months should go by. <laughs> so anyway, so. Um, yeah, well, so, congrats to you. Congrats to her. I'm I'm sure we'll be hearing more about it. Uh, but you can ask Jake what it's like to be at the Passover table. But okay. you won't know. That's all I'm saying is you won't know. All right, so we are uh, looking this hour through the symbols, the elements of Passover. There's things you see, things you do, things you eat and touch and all that. One of the big parts of, of Passover is the four questions. You ask these four questions, and the answers are essentially the Passover story. Why do we do this? Why do we do that? And the answers are all, you know, the story of being delivered out of bondage in Egypt, the Pharaoh, the ten plagues, and each part of it has this little symbolism. And uh, this comes about when you're doing the second cup of wine, the drink of, of or juice, and it's about the plagues and iniquity. And the cup corresponds to the verse, I will free you from being slaves to them. So a full cup represents joy, but you want to remember the Egyptians who died. So you say each plague, you dip your little finger into the cup and allow a drop of wine or juice to fall into the plate. You do this to take away some of our joy. And you mention, you know, the 10 plagues that God had to bring against Egypt, blood, frogs, lice, swarms of insects, cattle disease, boil, hail, locusts, darkness, and slaying of the firstborn. 
it's a significant thing because it's past and future. So when Jesus did it in uh, the Last Supper, he didn't go backwards. He talked about the future. And we also can because this Passover takes us in all directions. The tribulation at the end time is mostly against the Antichrist, like the Pharaoh. Only 12 verses out of 403 in Revelation are persecution of the church. Th 12 verses. 3% of the book of Revelation is persecution. Tribulation is the judgment of God destroying the oppression. So, like Moses and the Israelites in Goshen, in the, in the land of Egypt, partnering with the Lord in prayer with Moses, based on Scripture, 150 chapters on end times and the shadows and types, I believe the rapture is at the end, not the beginning of the tribulation. You might call it the middle of the end times. That said, when it happens, we'll know for sure. Either way, you need to be cr near Christ and you'll be good to go. It's, I like the, the concept of the midway where it's right before the wrath. I think that's probably, probably it, but we don't know. Moses releases and he stops the plagues as God directs him and as Pharaoh responds to them. The church, obviously, in this scenario is Moses. The trumpets in Revelation are hail, fire, blood. Sounds familiar. The seas turn to blood, death of sea creatures, destroyed ships, bitter water from a meteorite. Then the sun, moon, and stars struck. Darkness comes. That also, you know, of course, darkness is one of the last plagues. Locusts, like scorpions the size of horses. Four angels bring death worldwide, not just in Egypt. Two witnesses preach. They're killed and resurrected. Earthquake and war. Dragons, two beasts, 666, 140,000 redeemed. The great harvest, the winepress of the wrath of God. See, in this story, as you read through Revelation and look back to Egypt, see, we want our garments stained red in the same way as the man who poured the, the blood on the side of the doors on the top. That's what you're looking for. We want to drip with the blood of the lamb. The problem with an early rapture, for those who want to kind of get out of here before anything happens, is the hands and feet of Jesus are gone when the great harvest arrives. And that's just not right. Revelation 16, we are in heaven and the bowls are poured forth on those who took the mark of the beast. And Jesus leads us into the final battle. So there's a certain kind of lineup, and that's part of what that's all about. But that's that second cup you drink. Again, back to matzah. Uh, one of the things you do with matzah, season all your grain offerings with salt. Do not leave the salt of the covenant of your God out of the grain offerings. Add salt to all your offerings. So uh, one of the things you do is before you eat any of the matzah, you take a pinch of salt, add it to your matzah. Salt preserves. It purifies. We are the salt. Jesus is the bread. You also have a portion there where you take matzah and you mix it with the bitter herbs. And it's, uh, in this case, you mix it with the, uh, the first thing you do is you just have uh, the bitter herbs and harosis together. This is uh, a, a, a combination of apples and nuts and honey and that. And it just goes back to that time of slavery. It's kind of the mortar, if you will. So you have some bitter herbs in that. And with that, you recall the bitterness of slavery when we choose to sin. Remember the suffering of Jesus who set us free. In that herosis, that mixture, we taste the sweetness of God's forgiveness. And then you kind of put things together again. The matzah and the bitter herbs this time together. So you mix that and that sweet herosis. So we recall the bitterness of slavery of sin and the herosis, sweetness of God's redemption. The sandwich was eaten with lamb during the temple times in Jerusalem is also known as the sop, the one that he gave to to uh, Judas. And it's traditionally given to the one beside you, your spouse or your, a daughter or a son, your loved one. Jesus gave it to Judas to identify him as the one who would betray him. But yet he also gave it to him saying, this is the one I love. 
The other things in this meal, a green vegetable like a cucumber, represents the hyssop branch used to apply the blood of the lamb to the doorpost. Also considered a bitter herb. The eating of the green vegetable, uh, you dip it in salt water. It's a symbol of life in springtime. And it said the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out in their cry for help. Because of their slavery, went up to God. God heard their groanings, remembered his promise with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So it reminds us, this green vegetable, to pray. Ask God for help because he promised to hear and help us. Other things, the clay of apples, nuts, cinnamon, and wine we call herosis represents the bricks and mortar the Israelites were forced to make under Pharaoh's tax taskmasters. Sin equals bondage in that case. A roasted egg is a reminder of the temple holiday sacrifice. It's also a symbol of life. It was the offering at the temple during the feast of Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. It is the peace offering. We need peace with God. That's what this, the death of the Passover lamb brings. You're dipping things a lot of times in salt water, and that's very, very symbolic. <coughs> it symbolized the tears shed by the Israelite slaves. It also reminds us of when they crossed the Red Sea, that salty Red Sea when they were set free. So notice the meanings are all things that we still struggle with daily. So this meal hasn't gone away. It's all these things that we deal with in life. They're all brought back in this Passover to remind us that we still need to eat the Passover. We still need Jesus in us to save us. So the feasts are built to be our daily companions to remind us of this truth.